Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome, friends, to another podcast on disciple-making. I'm Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Ride. Well, now we're in the midst of an election, a federal election, and there's all kinds of promises and uh, political uh, pandits are having different views on things. And sometimes, sometimes in politics and in elections, we realize how we are not unified as a country. And uh, th- this is the, the road we're going to go down. Uh, in terms of the church being unified and how that relates to disciple making, Darren, Darren, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's uh, something that's I've been really mulling on a lot lately, and and uh, you know, there's been a lot of disunity in this past year over restrictions and things. It's hammered a lot of pastors. It's split churches. It's caused a lot of problems. Uh, you add in the political side, regardless of where you live, there's political differences, and I'm just starting to be concerned that. This public disunity, not disagreements, not the fact we have different opinions, but public almost animosity level disunity is really starting to affect our ability to reach people and make disciples. In fact, you know, if you if you if you had a new believer and you were imitating the people who are so hostile, you would not be forming the kind of disciple you want to be. And that's starting to really concern me a bit here, Tim. Yeah. Uh, Unity is something that the Lord uh, called the church to observe just because, you know, in in my understanding, in my experience, um, uh, Christians aren't in the majority to begin with. (laughs) We're sort of almost a little faction group of society and the voice of the church at times is um, sort of being kicked to the curb and it's not politically correct. So for those who follow Jesus to speak uniformly and uh, in terms of having a one voice, uh, it, it's really difficult because if, if we aren't unified together, just think of what message that sends those who are yet to find Jesus. Well, yeah, and I think the goal, Tim, is not uniformity in our opinions because I think you can be a Christian, vote for a variety of political positions or parties, I think you can be a, a Christian, a passionate follower of Jesus, and have different opinions on some of these restrictions and things. That's My right. concern is that, uh, and and this having a different opinion is not a threat to unity, unless I make it a moral issue, unless I make something an ethical issue or a spiritual issue. So, for instance, uh, if I say that if you vote for that political party, you obviously aren't following Jesus, yeah, that starts to draw some pretty bold lines. Uh, between Christians. That is not unity. So what you're saying is we can disagree, but we are not to become disagreeable. And, uh, you know, last last week we spoke about the difference between discernment and judgment. And when you cross that line from discerning, and God, God tells us to use our mind, you know, by their fruits you will know them, you will discern them. But when you cross that line and become judge and jury over another person and you make it into a moral issue, as you just said, then all of a sudden now we've uh, we're sitting in the seat of self-appointed superiority, mm. and we look down on others because they're different, and because they're different, they're bad, and 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 usually it's a reflection on the fact that we and ourselves are, are still so fragile in our 
identity of who we are in Jesus. And, and the problem is, is that we don't probably spend enough time gazing into the the, the face of Jesus. I think in mm-hmm. Hebrews, where it tells us to fix your eyes on Jesus. And that word fix, it's, uh, remember in, in uh, the old Star Trek episodes, the tractor beam that used to lock onto <laughs> things and suck them in? That That's basically what that, that word fix means. It means lock it on to Jesus. Yeah. And when we do that, I think that might be one antidote for the disunity that we're seeing in the church today. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I've had a couple in the last week and a half, I've had calls from two different couples, couples, Christian couples who are really struggling over, over some of these vaccination issues. And it's becoming a marriage challenge because they have differing opinions. That's, you know, that's, that's the level it is. And uh, one person called me and they were wrestling through some things. And I said, you know, have you considered fasting and praying about this decision? <laughs> like, you know, we have such strong opinions. We're so set in our opinions. And we never even think sometimes to step back and say, Lord, what do you think about this? And a lot of, a lot of these opinions, I, I guarantee, I, I, I can ask that question a hundred times. I might find 90, 98 people will say, no, I haven't fasted and prayed about it. And so unity, as you said, comes from fixing our eyes on Jesus, having the same focus and that's the problem is we've got our focus off Jesus. And that is what leads to what I would call um, you know, damaging disunity, the kind of disunity that actually damages our witness and interferes with making disciples. If I can just share a quick story, Tim, you know, sure. I, I met a friend a couple of weeks ago, first time I'd seen him in almost 20 years. He's not a believer. And uh, we spent a lot of time back in the day canoe racing and we said our hellos and uh, right out of his mouth, the next question, he wanted to know if I was the kind of Christian who believed that certain political leaders were like God's Messiah. And I was an extreme anti-vaxxer and I was ready to you know, put other people's lives at risk. That was his first question after wow. 20 years. Wow. And he recognized even within Christian circles, he's got, he had an aunt who's very extreme in her views and that thing that he recognized even within Christian circles that there is disagreement going on. As a non-believer, he sees this. Yeah. And so, you know, that that made it more difficult. We had to kind of get over that hurdle before we could go anywhere down the path of sharing the gospel at all. Yeah, you know, in, in Scripture, it talks about these disputable matters, you know, in, in, towards the end of uh, the epistle to the Romans. And um, it tells us that we we have to really look at our lives and make sure that we're not putting any stumbling blocks out there for others uh, who perhaps are, are trying to make sense of the Christian message, but then they, they, they see someone who claims to be a Christian and, and what they see is quite confusing. Mm. Um, you know, we've spoken before about the, the, the spiritual porcupine, the, the, the one who basically it's all or nothing, black and white, um, that they, they go to church to be in a holy huddle and get away from the world. And they've got a list of do's and don'ts, just like the guy you just mentioned, asked you all these, uh, he was putting you on a little bit of a pecking order in terms of <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down. And, and what happens to people who do this, uh, I call it the hardening of the categories. Mm. Um, uh, that basically you're in or out, you're good or bad, and 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 they use the the focus of their own understanding of they what what they want to happen, um, and unfortunately that alienates a lot of people because when you're when you're like a spiritual porcupine, you lose your audience and you and you can't live as salt and light in the world. And on the other extreme, you have the the spiritual chameleon 
who basically is so much in the world and of the world, they would never know that he's a Christ follower. And um, he's all about ex acceptance and assimilation. And and this person, too, loses, he might not lose an audience, but he loses the impact of, of a Christian message. And he, too, is no longer salt and light. So so the challenge for me in these days is, is to live a life of balance between the truth of uh, who Jesus is and also the love in terms of how we relate and engage to others. And then we can be salt and light. And we, we, we have an audience and we have a message at the same time. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I've been asked a few times about my opinion on some of these matters. And uh, and I say I, I'm invoking Romans 14.22, <laughs> which says, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Yeah, there you go. And, and which is interesting because for some people, they kind of laugh and think it's great. Other people, the problem is they don't think it's a disputable matter. They think there's a wrong opinion and a right yeah. opinion for that's believers right. to have on some of these issues. And that that's very concerning. And, you know, what's the primary issue, Tim? The primary issue is who is Jesus and what did he do? That's right. You know, what's the way of salvation? All that. That's primary. To me, right or wrong, everything else is at least secondary. Yep. Many things are tertiary and things are then below that. And I think a lot of Christians these days are bickering over things that are far down the list and yeah. forgetting the fact that, hey, if we have uh, become followers of Jesus, repented and put our faith in him, we're going to spend eternity together, <laughs> you know, from that, from that foundation. And we're called right now to be salt and light and perfume to, to reach others. From that foundation, let's have this discussion. Let's yeah. not make this discussion about whether we're saved or not, because it's not about that. Yeah, you know, uh, I've been studying the word this week uh, towards the end of Matthew 7, just before Jesus talks about the wise and foolish builders, you know, the one who hear his word and then put it into practice. Um, I, I think that relates to what we're saying. Although there may be different views of what's going on, putting the word of Jesus into practice means that we will uh, maybe lessen the angst in our conversation and we'll get away from the judgments and we'll learn to discern with wisdom. But Jesus says, you know, people are on one of two roads. You know, there's this uh, large wide gates and uh, a large road where many are traveling and that road leads to destruction. And then there's a small gate and the narrow way that very few find. And you know, it's easy just to sit back and say, well, all the people who are going to hell are on that wide gate and those who are going to heaven are on the... But I think we need to just pause and realize that everyone at one time in their life, including us, hmm. was on that wide pathway, that wide road. <laughs> yeah. And uh, because that's where you naturally commence your life when you have a sinful nature that's alienated from God. So it isn't that like people chose that road. They're just on it because they haven't seen the lights or the impact of uh, Christ followers who can whet their appetites, you know, salt and lights, and then allow the Holy Spirit, who is, who is always trying to draw people to himself, to actually consider uh, that there might be another path to take. I've, I've uh, been reading about Yogi Berra. Do you know Yogi Berra? He was a... Oh yeah, catcher. Yeah, New York catcher and and manager. Nineteen years, he won ten World Series. He uh, died just you know six years ago. He's ninety, but but more than the bat in his hand was uh, what Yogi did by putting pen 
to paper, and he wrote these sayings. They're called yogiisms, and they have a little bit of truth in them, but they really make you think. So he's the guy who said, "It ain't over. It ain't over till it's over," or he said, "You know, baseball is ninety percent uh, mental, and the other half is physical." Like like things like that. But but he said three things that I believe he must have been reading this Matthew seven passage, <laughs> because he said this. He said, if you don't know where you're going, you'll always end up somewhere else. <laughs> he said, uh, the future ain't what it used to be. And and, and the one that I, I really think applies here, he says, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. <laughs> and the problem is, when people on this wide path that the Lord says leads to destruction, when they come to a fork in the road, and what that fork of the road is, is that I think everyone really is searching for meaning in their life. Uh, who am I and what is the meaning of life and where will I end up? At that moment, they're at a fork in the road experience. And I think God positions Christ followers uh, in the pathway of these people to hopefully be used as, as the vessels and vehicles to invite them Onto the narrow path, the one in which we find a personal, loving relationship with Jesus. And as Paul said, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. But it's at that fork in the road that, that that's where Christians have to turn up and be unified in what we believe. And also in the testimony uh, that we convey to the world around us. When when people look at the church today and it's divided, why would they ever ever want to identify or be part of that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of conversations when we came to a new community here. A lot of guys called me up, want to go for coffee, and they wanted to probe me about my opinion on some of these matters. And uh, you know, I had a few a few responses to them. And one of my responses was, you know, I, I see a lot of Christians getting very wound up about these issues, and they've been fairly content for twenty or thirty years with their neighbors being detached from the Lord. Yeah, you know, yeah. and just just never really, uh, never really getting on side with that and, and paying attention. And, and so I, I started asking people, are you looking through the evangelism disciple making lens? Yeah. Like look yeah. through that lens in the way we conduct ourselves. It's about posture. It's about attitude. It's about what actually advances the cause of Christ. I really don't have, I, I don't care in, on one level what people's opinions are on vaccines or restrictions. I've got some pretty strong opinions, Yeah, but I will become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save yeah. some. Amen. In other words, not that I'll be hypocritical, but I, I'm not going to make it a primary issue uh, when it comes to, to reaching people or even discipling people. I think that, you know, this is a men of Issachar moment where yeah, we, we understand, the, understand time. the times we're in, right. And, and speak as, as wise spirit directed people. So I, I just wish there'd be a lot more corporate, you know, James one seeking wisdom, a lot more corporate fasting and prayer about, how we present ourselves in this matter, because there's some there's some lines being drawn in the in, in the in the sand and the concrete now that are going to shape life and ministry and disciple making for many years to come now, uh, because of the way we're conducting ourselves. So, uh, you know, back to the narrow, narrow gate, narrow gate, wide gate, narrow road, wide road. We just need yeah. to have our eyes open to the people on the wide road and say, what do we need to do as believers to draw them after us to make the gospel attractive, like it says in Titus. May, it should be appealing. If people understand the gospel, it's appealing. What are we doing to make it appealing in this context right now? And I think a lot of times uh, people look outside of themselves, you know, for life's meaning and answers when there is uh, 
tragedy in their own personal lives or, or like this pandemic. Uh, like I, I believe at the end of the, the, these two pathways or roads, as Jesus talked them, there's life in Jesus. And, and that, in terms of a punctuation mark, that would be an exclamation. I, mm-hmm. I know who I believe. And I'm convinced and persuaded, right, that, that, that Jesus is the answer. And it's like an exclamation point at the end of the road. Therefore, I live in light of that. Mm. But by those who are on the, the wide road, like there's a big question mark, Darren. I really mm. believe that there's a question mark. It's because they come to the end of themselves. And this can happen quite young in life. Uh, you know, Dante's Divine Comedy, it talks about how every man, as he walks through life, uh, finds himself standing out in the woods and wondering what, what what's going on type of thing. And it's in times of this wondering that it's an opportunity for us to be present in their life. I don't know about you. Um, back in 1979, that, that was, I was 19 at the time, that, that was a good year for music. And, yeah. and uh, I don't know if you ever, I don't so much like his voice, uh, uh, but Bob Dylan, remember when Bob Dylan started following the Lord and he came up with this song that, that basically said, you got to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. It, it basically, it brings you to that fork in the road experience mm-hmm. is that which way are you going to go? And the other song that, that I've been thinking about, you know, it was written, man, Long time ago, seventy nine, uh, Super Tramp. It's called the Logical Song. Oh yes, and it says, you know, when I was young, it seemed that life was low, wonderful, a miracle. It was beautiful and magical, and all the birds in the trees they'd be singing so happily and joyfully, or playfully watching me. But then they sent me away to teach me how to be sensible, logical, responsible, and practical. And when they showed me a world where I could be so dependable and clinical, intellectual, cynical. But then uh, Roger uh, Hodgson, who actually wrote and sang, sang these on the keyboard, he says this, There are times when all the world's asleep, and the questions run too deep for such a simple man. Won't you please, please tell me what we've learned? I know it sounds absurd. Please tell me who I am. And it's in times like this, where, where the, just the average person who lives without the, the personal knowledge of Jesus is asking him, tell me who I am. What does life mean? If they look to a church that is divided Hmm. and the divisiveness of issues, as you said, that we make into moral issues, uh, they may not take a second look at at who Jesus is because those who are called his ambassadors aren't really being very ambassadorial in terms of representing Lord Jesus and King Jesus. Yeah, that was a great throwback of some music from my teen years there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just want to maybe land with two passages that have rolled around in my brain. Galatians 5, yeah. among the works of the flesh are dissensions and factions. There you go. That's the works of the flesh. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. In our disagreements, let's operate in the context of the fruit of the Spirit. And tied to that, John 17, what Jesus prayed for his disciples, of all the things he could have prayed, he prayed for unity, he did. for oneness. And he said, by this will people know you're my disciples. If you have love, one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit for one another. So we need to show how we can disagree with someone and still love them in the church world, in the Christian world, and then figure out how to do that in relation to the world, that we can disagree and still love. That's really, I think, what the call is of this day. And we need to get on our faces and figure out how to do this. 
We need to get on our knees too, I think, yeah. <laughs> and, and speak to the Lord. So often uh, in times of disagreement, and uh, you know, after I preached recently and, and talked about it, don't judge others. And I had so many people because I confronted them with with different practical elements, like various views of the pandemic and vaccinations and uh, all kinds of things. You know, it, it's so important in the midst of the potential to be divided as a church. We are not divided in Christ, and I think I think you nailed it there, Darren. If you consider from where you're listening today, within a stone's throw. Someone is heading into a Christless eternity. Does that, do you bat an eyelash over that? Do you, do, you, do you even give it a second thought? People are going to a place called hell. And as Charles Spurgeon says, and most people don't give a, don't give a damn about it. <laughs> and all the people in this church, when he said that, he says, and you're more concerned that I just use that word in this pulpit than you are the people within a stone's throw of this church, are going into a Christless eternity. I don't know about you, uh, but if we knew that Jesus was coming back in a month from now, mm. how would that change your life? Oh, yeah. What what petty differences would you drop? And who would you be calling and, and appealing and pleading with? To t- and, and, and maybe we'd be apologizing to them because we haven't been good examples of what a Christ follower is all about, but... Mm. At the end of the day, Jesus said, you're on one of two paths. One leads to life and one leads to destruction. But it's only as we listen to the word of God and put it into practice. Like ortho- orthodoxy is right belief. Orthopraxy is right life. And when you have orthodoxy and, and orthopraxy that go hand in hand, we, we have a God-honoring life. Yeah. But when you have orthodoxy, which is right belief, but not orthopraxy, you don't apply it, as you said before, Darren, you become a hypocrite. Hmm. And when the church is viewed by the world today, we're seen as being hypocrites and judgmental because we think we've got it all together and we don't. Uh, but, man, the more and more, this, this is an excellent topic, the more and more we can strive to be unified. And it isn't by trying to patch up our differences. Uh, in the Bible, it tells us to find unity in the Holy Spirit. He's the one who counsels and convicts us and comforts us. And he's the one who actually, he's the spirit of unity and the spirit of truth. And we need to find our lives led by him. Mm, Amen. Amen to that. Maybe land with this. A student, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. I want those who follow me as I follow Christ to have unity on their radar. Amen. Amen. Well, maybe that's a good place to end, Darren. Yes, uh, that gets your heart pumping just because we're in the midst of a time of divisiveness, not only in culture, but also in the church from time to time. I know people are wearing masks, not wearing masks, staying away from the church out of fear. Others because of health concerns, very legitimate. But I think uh, the road ahead, it's my prayer that the Lord through his Holy Spirit will help us find the things that unify us, not divide us. And that, that goes along not just with our own church families, but with denominationalism as well. Rather than pointing fingers at what divides us or what is different, that we would find what unifies us. And I hope it's the love of God for a lost world. So, so let's leave it there. There's another uh, podcast episode of Disciple Making. My friend Darren Wright has sort of led us on today, something that's close to 
his heart and it's echoing in mine as well. I'm Tim Beadle. Join us again for another episode in the days to come. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.